Hope you know tonight beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've been born again. I tell you, I, I feel in my heart that God still wants to save somebody tonight, and I pray that tonight the Lord would do that work. I pray that that sinner tonight uh, in your heart. If you're here and you're lost, you've heard enough already tonight to come and be saved, and God will not turn you away. Jesus said, He that cometh to me, I'll in no wise cast him out. And if you want to be saved, you can be saved. Amen. If you're willing to come, then God is willing to accept you tonight on the terms of the gospel. And I praise the Lord for that. First Thessalonians chapter 5. I didn't, I didn't come to preach the message that I'm going to preach, but I was sitting over in the prayer room there. And I was just praying, Lord, whatever you want me to do tonight, you just please speak to my heart and uh, give me liberty. And uh, I tell you this, everything I studied this week, it's not what I felt led to preach on this Sunday, but God knows that. And uh, those sermons will keep, amen, uh, for another time, another day, but to just preach what God uh, would lay on our heart is most important. First Thessalonians chapter 5, if you're able to stand with us this, more, this evening uh, in reverence to the Word of God in prayer, and we'll be sensitive to the Lord. Uh, and then after we get through preaching, we'll have our baby dedication tonight at the close of this service. First Thessalonians 5. And verse number one, the Bible says, But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in the darkness, that that, that, that day should overtake you as a thief. You're all the children of light and the children of the day. We're not of the darkness, nor of the night, or the night or, nor of the darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. Let's bow for prayer. Father, I want to thank you tonight for the privilege to be back in church. Thank you for the good spirit of God that we have felt in this place, the worship, the uh, Lord, for the opportunity and the liberty to worship you tonight. God, I pray that you will touch us physically and spiritually and mentally. And Lord, I pray that you will do the work that no man can do. God, I ask if you would speak to every heart, save the lost and reclaim the backslid. And most of all, I pray that you'll be glorified and we'll love you and praise you for all that will be accomplished. For we ask it in Jesus' name, we do pray, amen. And amen, you can be seated tonight. I really don't have a title for the sermon that I'm going to preach tonight. I really just have this text on my heart. And the Apostle Paul is talking about in verse number 2. Notice he says here in the Scriptures, For yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. And Paul is talking about in this chapter here the day of the Lord. And when we think about the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord has to do uh, with the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, the day of Christ has to do with the rapture of the church, but the day of the Lord has to do with the revelation of Christ, that we know that Jesus is coming again in the rapture, but we also know that he's coming again the second time to this earth, amen? And when he comes the second time in that second advent, 
up as Jesus comes to this earth. Uh, the Bible teaches us that he will rule this earth for 1,000 glorious years. Now, that is not a fairy tale. That is not a figma of our imagination, but that is a fundamental fact in the word of God. Revelation chapter 19 and chapter number 20 reveals uh, uh, that one day Jesus is going to come again and he's going to rule this earth. Now, uh, Paul was looking for the second coming in his day and if Paul was looking for it in his day, then how much more should you and I be looking for the second coming of Christ in the day and hour in which we're living in now? And I want you to notice here uh, that Paul talks about the seasons in verse number one as he says, but of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Now Paul talks about the seasons and I want to say tonight to everything uh, uh, the word of God says in the book of Ecclesiastes uh, uh, to everything there is a time uh, and there is a season. Amen? Uh, when you think about the season of life, uh, uh, there is a season. That means uh, uh, there's a beginning and it means there's an end. Amen? Uh, when you talk about not only the circle of life, but when you think about sin, there is the season of sin. The Bible talks about how that there's pleasure in sin, but it's only for a season. The pleasure of sin may begin, uh, but as sure as we're standing here tonight, uh, the pleasures of sin will end one of these days. Uh, it will run out. And then there is the seasons of the se of the last days, the, uh, the seasons of the second coming of Christ. And when you think about where we're at tonight, uh, we're seeing the signs uh, and the seasons of time are all around us. Isn't that right? And Paul is writing in this text here and he says, but of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Notice this, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a, a thief in the night. Now he talks about the security. You say, Brother Gravely, there's no security uh, with Jesus coming as a thief in the night. And certainly that is true for this world. But we that are saved have a security in this text. Uh, and it's in the next verse, uh, or it's in verse number four. He said, but ye brethren are not of the darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. Now, I want to say this tonight. Jesus is coming as a thief in the night to those that are not prepared, to those that are unsaved. But we that are saved, verse number four says uh, that that day's not going to overtake us as a thief, amen? You know why? Because we're ready, amen? Because we're looking for Jesus to come. Uh, this world is not looking for Christ uh, and it's very simple. The reason they're not looking uh, is because they're blind, amen? Now, don't be critical of that statement uh, because you were blind at one time and I was blind at one time. Uh, uh, the God of this world, the Bible says, uh, has not blinded their eyes, uh, but he's blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel who is the, of the image of Christ should shine unto them. The only reason you and I are saved tonight is because the gospel light shone in our direction and we saw ourselves for who we really was and realized that we needed to be saved or we would go to hell and had it not been for the gospel and the grace of God, every one of us would be lost tonight too. Amen. But aren't you thankful on a Sunday night you can raise your hand and say I've been saved by the grace of God. Amen. 
And so tonight I see in this text here, there's a great security in knowing that I'm saved. Do you have that security tonight? Do you know that you're saved? In just a little while, we'll all go home and we'll turn the lights out and we'll lay our head down in the darkness and the blackness of that night. And the question for all of us tonight is this, uh, is can you pillow your head uh, and know that if you never wake up and see another sunrise, uh, uh, do you know that you're saved? Do you know that you're ready to meet God? If the trumpet was to sound in the middle of the night uh, and those, my friend, that were in the grave was to come out, uh, if, my friend, the blackness of the night uh, was to be turned uh, on like the noonday sun uh, with the Shekinah glory of another world coming, and if we was to be raptured out, uh, would you be ready tonight if Jesus comes in the middle of the night? Do you know, I remember as a young child, uh, probably about 10 years of age, I remember sitting on the front porch with my dad and some of his brothers, and they were all drinking and they didn't know God, and I'm not proud of that tonight, but as they were sitting there in those drunken stupors, they got to talking about Jesus coming again. One thing I remember growing up, we didn't know nothing about the Bible. Uh, and I don't even really remember all that they said. But it's amazing when people go to drinking how they want to talk about the Bible. Amen. And they got to sitting there talking about Jesus coming again. And uh, I don't even remember what they said, but I can remember as a boy sitting there in that darkness and that moon shining down on that front porch. Uh, and as they got the talking, I don't know, maybe it would have been the first time uh, that God may have ever troubled the waters of my soul. Uh, but I don't remember what they said, uh, but I remember sitting there in fear as they was talking about the Lord coming back. I didn't know what all that meant, uh, but I had enough of fear in my heart to know uh, that if he came back, I wasn't ready to meet the Lord. And I wonder how many people sitting here tonight, if Jesus was to come right now, uh, listen, friend, you don't have that security. Can I tell you something tonight? Church membership, water baptism, paying tithes to a church, uh, good works, uh, being a good person, none of that tonight is gonna get you into heaven. Uh, you've got to be born again. You've got to repent of your sins. Uh, you've got to come before God uh, a clean as you can, as honest as you can, and say, dear God, I'm a sinner, and I need to be saved, amen. I sat there while the choir was singing tonight, and it's very evident to me that God wants to save somebody in this service. I believe tonight there's enough lost people here that we could see four or five or six people saved even on a Sunday night. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I remember one Sunday night, the Holy Spirit said, I want you to preach on hell and we had seven people saved that night. And there wasn't a whole lot of visitors here, but God just reached out and saved a bunch of people. It's his work, amen. What I'm saying tonight, uh, uh, sinner, you're not here by accident. God's got you here for a purpose and a plan. When I was sitting in the prayer room, I didn't know who'd be here and who'd not be here, but I know the Holy Spirit said tonight, I want you to preach this text, and I believe it's for all of us, uh, but I believe he also wants to save somebody. And when I think about the, uh, the seasons and I think about the security, uh, but then in verse number three, I see the sign, as he said, for when they shall say, talking about this world, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. And notice this last little phrase, and they shall not escape. You know what's gonna happen, friend? 
if the rapture takes place tonight, we that are saved are going to be gone. The Bible says, the choir sung it tonight, 1 Thessalonians 4. In verse 13, Paul said, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain at the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Notice verse 18 he said wherefore comfort one another with these words now if you're saved tonight that will comfort you to think that Jesus could come right now but if you're not saved tonight uh, then that won't bring any comfort to you uh, because you know that you're not ready well listen to me friend the Bible then says in this next chapter that we're reading from he says when they shall say peace and safety then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child and they shall not escape. Now what's Paul talking about? He's saying when the rapture takes place and the church is gone then the world is going to turn to each other and they're going to say peace and safety. Peace and safety. Finally there's going to be some peace and there's going to be some safety. You know why? Because that religious crowd, that church crowd, that Bible thumping crowd, that crowd that was always telling us we're going to hell, that crowd was always telling us we need, we can't do this and we can't do that because it's not right and that's an abomination to God. That crowd will be gone and the world's going to celebrate our exit out of this world. And the man of sin, the Bible says, the son of perdition, the Antichrist, will step on the scene and he'll have the answer to all the world's questions. Uh, he will be a man of great political power. He will be a man of great religious power. He will be a man of great religious intellect and political intellect. He will answer this world's questions like they have never seen uh, and the world will follow him and he will cry peace and safety and the Bible says there'll be three and a half years of false peace. Now if the church was to leave tonight and you was to be left behind in this building, listen, you, there would be, there's going to be pandemonium like this world has never seen. The Bible says there's going to be people that's religious but lost. And they're going to come running to church. There's going to be people that we've invited to church that would never give time of day. They wouldn't darken the door of a church on a Sunday uh, to listen for to, to save their own soul. But when the church is gone, they're going to run down to the church house. They're going to try to repent and get saved only to find out there's not going to be no preacher. There's not going to be no Christians. There's not going to be no invitation. Hey, the church is going to be gone. But the religious world will just carry right on as though nothing ever happened. And I want to tell you that's what's going to happen. The Bible says God will use them, the false prophet. He'll use the Antichrist uh, and the Bible says that he's going to send strong delusions uh, and those that have heard the gospel will believe a lie and they'll be damned. They'll think they're okay and they'll say my, my, my how much better the world is now and there is peace finally in this world uh, but listen friend, the Bible says it's a false peace uh, as travail comes upon a woman with child. Uh, they shall not escape 
married. Do you know how travail comes upon that woman that is expecting that child? It comes instantly. It comes without warning. Amen? They know that their time is near. They know it's time for that baby to be delivered, but they don't know the moment. They don't know the hour. They may know the time. They may know the season of that time when that child's going to be born, but they cannot predict the day. They cannot predict the hour, but all of a sudden when that water breaks, you know what happens? Listen, that pain begins to come. That travail begins to come, and there's no stopping that birth. Is that right? Hey, that's what Paul is talking about. They're going to cry peace, and they're going to cry safety, but he said sudden destructions are coming. It's coming without warning. It's coming imminent. It's coming in just a moment, and there's no stopping that destruction when it comes, and Revelation talks about that. There's going to be the four horsemen. There's going to be the seven seals. There's going to be the seven vials. There's going to be the seven trumpets. It's going to be poured out on this earth in a time of Jacob's trouble like the world has never seen before. Now, if you're lost tonight, that's what you've got to look forward to if you don't get saved. And friend, I'm here to tell you all the pleasures the devil could ever offer you are not worth forfeiting your soul over tonight. All the dope you could smoke, all the rock music you could listen to, all the good timing you could have, all the going to the honky-tonks and the bars and the dancing and listen, the drinking and the partying, you could do that to listen. You can do that until physically you couldn't do it any longer. But I'm here to tell you tonight, it will never satisfy five seconds into hell and you'll wish you could go back and get saved. You cannot run from God. Listen, you cannot run from old type religion. It'll hunt you down like a bloodhound. I'm telling you the word of God will hem you up and everyone must make a choice. It's either heaven or it's hell and I'm here to tell you God is speaking to somebody tonight. If you're going to get saved, you're going to have to get in tonight, friend, while the door is still open, while the spirit of God is wooing your heart. You need to come now or come never. You need to come tonight and be saved while there's still time to be saved tonight. I like that old song. Let's sing this tonight, Brother David. Oh, why not tonight? Amen. That's what he had picked out. Isn't that God's will? Oh, why not tonight? Wilt thou be saved? Oh, why not tonight? Can I tell you, I've not tried to preach any great sermons, not that I could anyway today. I'll tell you what God's had me do all day, just throw the lifeline out. Sometimes that's all preaching is. It's just throwing the lifeline out. It's just throwing up a warning. It's just begging somebody to come to the foot of the cross. I'm telling you, that's all God, the Holy Spirit's wanting to do tonight is just warn you, sinner, you don't need to go to hell. You need to get saved tonight. The rapture may take place. Hey, if you're playing church, you need to play, quit playing church tonight. You need to get on an altar of repentance. So listen, swallow your pride. Junk your church membership. I don't want anybody to doubt their salvation, but for God's sake, if what you've got's not real, if what you got's not holding, if it's not real to you, you need to do what? Logan did and get in this altar and search your heart and evaluate your life and do inventory and not leave and pillow your head tonight until you know that you've made things right with God. You need to make sure you're ready to meet God. Amen. Amen. Amos 4 and verse 12 says this, prepare 
to meet thy God. You know what people did with these storms to their homes? They prepared, didn't they? They boarded up their windows and they did everything they could. They gathered up their belongings and they, did all the, they made all the preparations they could make because they knew the storm was coming as we mentioned this morning. But I want to say people prepare for all sorts of things in life, don't they? Some will, as they get older, they begin to invest in retirement. You know what they're doing? They're preparing for that older age. They buy life insurance because they know that death is certain and could come at any moment and they don't want to leave their wife and their children without some kind of security. And so they pay that monthly premium. You know why? Uh, so that if something happens at any moment, they've made some kind of financial preparation uh, to care for those that'll be left behind. Uh, isn't it amazing how man will prepare for everything else down here but when it comes to eternity when it comes to his soul when it comes to facing his maker oftentimes uh, he'll live life just my chance uh, he'll just live life on a whim uh, because the devil says uh, you've got plenty of time uh, you don't have to do anything about that old sinner friend hear me tonight uh, the bible says what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul if you could gain all the fame and all the fortune and all the money of this world, but if you died and went to hell, what would it profit you tonight? Amen. There are people in hell tonight that had more money than they could spend. They enjoyed the pleasures of life. The sin, they wallowed in the sin, the sinful pleasures. You young people listen to me, you boys, you girls listen to me tonight. There's no pleasure of sin worth selling your soul for. Amen. And there's no pleasure of sin tonight worth giving up a life of living for Jesus Christ. You can drink, but you'll come up empty drinking. Living in sinful pleasures and perversion, I'm gonna tell you what it'll do to you. It'll scar you and it'll mess your life up and ruin your mind strip you to one day you have nothing but a lifetime of regrets and, and listen, uh, mistakes and, and baggage that you can never get rid of in this life. Uh, you better live for God and live pure and live holy. You young ladies better live for God. If you're thinking about getting out there in the world and living a worldly lifestyle or hooking up with heathen people in the church uh, that don't want to live for God, you better think twice. Uh, it's a snare of the devil, amen? And while I'm on the subject tonight. I'm not just preaching to these young people, but we're living in such a perverse day that we've even got mamas and daddies living in church uh, uh, toting King James Bible. Uh, listen, that they've got their lives so perverted with sins uh, that they think nobody doesn't know about. Can I tell you something tonight? Proverbs 15, 3 is still in the Bible. The Bible said the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good tonight. Amen. If you're a man here tonight and you got a good wife, you ought to thank God for that. Amen. If you're looking at pornography or you're being too friendly to another woman, you ought to get in this altar tonight and ask God to forgive you. Isn't that right? I'm going to tell you, there ought to be some morality and respect. And in church, hey, even in church, you ought not be. Listen, you ought to be careful how you talk to somebody in church of the opposite sex. Uh, uh, listen, you ought to be extra careful. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm telling you, we're living in some terrible days when perversion has crept into our churches. Fornication and adultery 
is running as rampant in the church as it is in the streets. And nobody wants to say nothing about it no more. I'm talking about tonight, if there's a man sitting here in this building, and listen, you are thinking about committing adultery, listen, you ought to treat that like a rattlesnake. You ought to treat that tonight like a double-headed rattlesnake. Amen, ready to strike you at any moment. Because listen, a few moments of pleasure is not worth throwing your marriage over, away for. It's not worth, listen, the disrespect and the reproach that it's going to bring on you and that it's going to bring on your wife and on your children. I'm telling you, listen, the Bible said that reproach is never taken away. You may find forgiveness and you may find repentance, but you will be shamed the rest of your life. Amen? Sure, there's forgiveness, but don't you let the devil sell you a bill of goods tonight that the consequences of embarrassment and shame will follow you all the way to the graveyard friend. Wasn't a more spiritual man in all the Bible than David. God said he was a man after his own heart. But Nathan told David, the sword will never depart out of your house. Now what about we're living in a day when people think they can commit adultery, come back to an altar and repent over it, and never have to bear the baggage or the reproach of it. Amen? Am I telling the truth tonight? Isn't that sad that we live in that day? And they want to go back to everything the way it was. You can't do that. Some of my best friends in the ministry have lost greatly over this very sin tonight. Even as preachers, we're not exempt from it. Amen. I don't know why God wants me to preach on adultery, but I need to preach on it tonight. I don't want it in this church. I know that much. Amen. I'm telling you better... If you're a wife, you better keep your husband close. And if you see a woman being too friendly to your husband, you just need to walk over there and get right between them. Somebody say amen. 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 We're living in such a wicked day. We got teenage girls that'll flirt with 40-year-old men. Somebody say amen right there. Friend, that's how wicked we're. Listen, when I was a teenage boy, I thought a 40-year-old woman was, she might as well have been 100 years old. Am Am I telling you the truth? And I'm 42 right now, so when I was, that's the way everybody looked at a woman. A young boy looked at a woman older that was the same age as his mother. I mean, that was sick to think about. And young girls, a 40-year-old man, that was sick to think about. But now we got 40-year-old men that will text young ladies, amen? And I'm telling you, listen, you're warped in your mind, amen? Uh, listen, you're so perverted in your mind. If you text a young teenage girl, you need to get under this altar and please the blood. Amen. You need to ask God to clean you up tonight and don't let that sin pervert you. It'll ruin you tonight, friend. It'll ruin you. I'll tell you, I throw my cell phone away. I turn my internet off. I'm telling you, listen, I, I, I just get rid of all of it tonight. If that was something that was plaguing me, if I was looking at stuff I don't need to be looking at, and listen, if I listen, if if, if he's a wife, if you catch your husband looking at something or texting a young lady, I don't care what he says. Can I give you women some advice? I don't care what he says. If you find out your husband's texting another woman. You go in the kitchen and you get you the biggest iron skillet you can find. Amen. Am I telling the truth? And you wait till he goes to sleep. Amen. 
and you just wear him out. Praise God. That's what I do. Amen. I'll tell you why I'm preaching that. Because I've seen you would not believe. You just would not believe how many men my age are texting young ladies. Married. Got a ring on their finger. And they're talking to young girls. I'm telling you, you ain't got no business doing that. Well, you ought to repent over it tonight. While you still can, you ought to get under this altar and say, Dear God, forgive me. And, and I tell you, I'd go home and throw my cell phone in the trash cans, what I'd do. And if I needed to get in touch with somebody, I'd write them a letter or get my wife to text them. Amen. Amen. I'm being serious tonight. Yes, sir. I'm telling you, listen, my wife knows everything that runs through my phone. It's not because I'm that spiritual. It's because it's flesh. I don't trust this stuff tonight. Amen. I want boundaries in my life. I want some things set because I know I've preached enough stuff. The devil would love nothing more, Brother David, than to get me in one of those snares and men far more better than I have has messed up. And if they can mess up, it brings fear to my heart. I want accountability. I want people around me. I won't listen. Say it's not that I don't trust other people. I just don't trust myself tonight. Amen. I hope that don't make you think less of me. Paul said put no confidence in the flesh tonight. Adultery has ruined so many people. These poor little children running around. You imagine being a child and you come home one day in what you think is the safety of your home. And children, there's no greater people in the lives of children that they have more confidence in than their mother and their father. Can you imagine what these young people have to go through when they find out that their, their dad or their mother has been unfaithful? Can you imagine the psychological and the spiritual and the emotional trauma and trial they have to go through to find out that one of the people that they trusted the most has been unfaithful. I preach that tonight because I tell you, I hope it scares every one of us to death. Amen. Oh, tonight, the Holy Spirit knows exactly what ought to be said in this service. He knows tonight what needs to be dealt with. And tonight, if you're here and you're unsaved, I want you to get saved tonight. If you're here tonight and you've got some sin lurking in your soul, I believe God could send revival to our church, but we're going to have to clean out every little place in our heart. Amen. We're going to have to put our all on this altar tonight. The, the, law, the world, I tell you where we're at tonight, folks. There was a time when, like this morning, I praise God for this soul getting saved, but there was a time, even in this church, and you know this, when it wasn't nothing you could preach, and you preach the gospel, somebody's going to get saved. Amen. Times have changed. They've got harder. People's got harder. There was a time, I, I've noticed something in the last two years. Brother Rattery used to, you could preach the gospel and people would raise their hand. They might not come, but they would at least raise their hand and acknowledge I'm not saved. Now they won't even do that anymore. You know how we're going to break that? We can overcome that. You know how? The church has got to have more power. Amen. That choir sung with power this morning. Might be the first time in 25 or 30 weeks the choir has sung with that kind of power. Might be the first time in two years 
I don't know what happened, but I think, I praise God it happened. You know what that ought to do to every one of us? It's, we ought to never sit out here and not come to this choir. And when you come to this choir, you ought to be prayed up. Somebody say amen. You ought to be praying for the choir, the musicians, the choir leader. You ought to be living right. Somebody say amen. You know why that's so important? Because we need the power of God. Preaching was 10 times easier this morning. You know why? Because the church had power. When the preacher, when the man of God and the church of God's pulling in the same direction, guess what? I'm telling you, God will work on sinners. That's where we're at tonight, church. Don't let anything hinder you. If there's something in your life you need to get right with God tonight, repent over it. Amen. I was in Sunday school this morning. Out of nowhere, I mentioned about gossip. I, don't, I couldn't tell you. Listen, I ain't heard one ounce of gossip. Isn't that a blessing? But standing up here, Brother Lamar, just out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit said, say something about gossip. Say something about backbiting. Say something about, about a critical spirit. Now, I won't tell you why the Holy Spirit, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't heard nothing. But I thank God. I thank God wants his church to get where they need to be at. And we need to let, I don't know anything tonight. I'm, I'm, being, I'm bearing my heart to you. I don't know anything tonight, but I know this much. I know what the Holy Spirit dealt with me about this morning, what he's dealt with me about tonight. And I'm going to tell you something. If you've said something about the church, if you've said something about the preacher, I've not heard nothing. But that doesn't mean it ain't been said. If you've said something about another brother or sister in this church, I'll tell you what you need to do. And you will never be right with God until you do what I'm about to tell you. Number one, you need to come to this altar and you need to ask God to forgive you. And number two, you need to go to that brother or that sister and you need to be honest, have some character, look them right in their eyes and with sincerity say, you know what, I want to ask you to forgive me. I've said some things about you and I've talked about you and it ain't right and I'm sorry and I'm asking you to forgive me. I've got right with God. Now I want to get right with you. Could you imagine what God may do in this church? If somebody that needed to do that did that. What if that's the only thing keeping us from having revival tonight? Is burying the hatchet and the handle. You said they don't even know what I said. Doesn't matter. It's not about them. It's about you getting everything clear. Now don't go to them and say, now listen, if, I, if I've said something, if, if I've offended you, that, that, you're wasting your breath if you use the word if. There's no character in that. You've got to go to them and make things right. And I'm going to tell you something. I went to this young man the other day. Stand up here just a minute. I was over here at the school, and they was having lunch, and I was cutting up with all of them, and I, and I was cutting up with him. And I said something, just cutting up. They all laughed, and he laughed about it. And I went down there, and when I went, when I went down to my office, the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, you know, you really shouldn't have said that. Amen. He said, you need to go tell him you're sorry. Now, he wasn't even mad at me. But the Lord said, you knew shouldn't have told him that because you don't know how he might have took that. That might have embarrassed him. I went back to him and I said, Caleb, I'm sorry. I, if, I didn't mean I was just cutting up with you. you. He said, oh, I know that preacher. I said, yeah, but I would never under any circumstances 
embarrass you in front of anybody. Now, whether you got embarrassed or not wasn't the issue. The issue was I want to be right with God. Amen. And if it was enough for the Lord to speak to me about it, then I wasn't going to get no sleep, no peace until I made it right with him. Amen. I'm telling you that tonight because I ain't no different than anybody else in this building. But we play church a lot of times and we hold on to things and we act like, well, that ain't no big deal. Hey, it is a big deal. You ought to make it right tonight because you you'll never have no victory until you do that. I believe tonight there's people here lost that need to be saved, and I want you to be saved. I also believe tonight that we're this close to having revival. I believe that. If we could just do what Hebrews 12 says, looking unto Jesus, that's not the verse, it's Hebrews 11, and let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. What do you need to lay aside tonight? Amen. What is it? Maybe it's complacency. Maybe it's apathy. Maybe it's a critical spirit. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's malice. Maybe it's something that you've got a stronghold on you tonight. Maybe it's a sin. I don't know. You don't even have to tell me. But you ought to get on this altar and say, God, I want revival so bad. I want to see my church have revival. I do not want to be the one. That hinders. Lord, I, if anything, I want to help push this thing in the right direction. And God, I don't want to say anything and I don't want to do anything that would grieve you or quench you in any way tonight. Lord, would you help me? Well, you talk about us moving up closer as a church. We could have revival tonight. He meant you got to do it because you want to, not because I, I say, say it's a good idea. Let's stand tonight. Hey, sinner, I really wish you'd come and get saved. I wish you'd come and get saved tonight. Why not tonight? You're here. And you're not here by accident. There's no way you just came by chance or circumstance. You're here tonight because the Holy Ghost. He loves you. And He wants to see you get saved. He wants to see you saved tonight. And I tell you, if you'll just repent, if you'll just humble yourself, turn loose and come to God, He'll save you. I'm going to ask you to bow your head for just a moment. I wonder if there's somebody here. Now listen to me. There is no way I'd embarrass you. I mean that. I wouldn't embarrass you for nothing. I'm not going to come to your seat. I'm not going to point you out. But I want to ask you something tonight. While heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I want you to listen to me. I want to face somebody here to say, Preacher, don't please don't embarrass me, but nobody's looking but me and the Lord. I mean that. But you would lift your hand and just be honest and say, Brother Gravely, I, I'm not right with God. Don't tell nobody, but please pray for me. I know I'm not right with God. Is there anybody like that tonight? Would you please lift your hand? I see that hand back there. Would you please lift your hand and let me pray for you? Is there anybody else like that tonight? That you'd lift your hand and say, please pray for me, preacher. I'm not right with God. I see that hand. Is there another hand tonight? Would you be honest? Would you be honest tonight? Hey, Jesus is coming. He's coming. Why don't you get right with God tonight? You say, I didn't come to get right, but none of us planned on it. 
But you get right when God opens a door and gives you an opportunity. Come on. Come on. Come on to this altar tonight. Let God save you. Repent. Let Him help you tonight. He'll do that. He'll do that tonight. If you'll just come. If you'll just come tonight, He'll do that. We're going to sing. Brother David, we're going to sing. And Come on, sinner. This is your verse while we sing.